0: Welcome, Inside the Newsroom. My name is Kelsey Bradshaw, and I'm the news editor at the University Star.
1: Today I'm here with... Nicole Barrios, the assistant news editor.
2: Renaldo Leanos Jr., the news director at KTSW 89.9.
1: And Tara Polmeyer, one of the assistant news directors at KTSW 89.9.
0: We had some pretty interesting headlines this week, starting with Ebola is
3: back did it ever leave (laughs) yeah no it's been a pretty um controversial issue it's been a crisis uh that everybody's had their eyes on this this week and this month really um and we wrote a story about it that ran this week in the university star saying that university officials don't really think the virus is a threat to the san marcos area even though um two people have contracted the virus in the dallas area which is pretty close to san marcos and, you know, officials are saying, you know, Dallas is four
0: hours away. It probably won't trickle down here. But yeah. if it does, we know the steps we want to take.
3: Yeah, and Emilio Cronco, the Student Health Center director, said that people in San Marcos and students can relax a little bit. Um, they're doing all they can. They're taking, you know, precautions and measures um, to, to prevent the spread.
1: And I think that's a good thing. I mean, I would hope that we're planning just in case.
3: At least we're thinking about it instead Definitely. of
1: just ignoring it completely.
2: Yeah, and he also said <coughs> he also said that they were running, like, test runs, I guess, as to, like, what protocol and what the procedure would be like. So I know they've actually gone through the process and, like, have practiced, I guess, almost. Mm-hmm. And I know they've been in contact with also, like, Hayes County and, all like, just the medical... People, I guess, in the county just to ensure that everything's like in procedure in case something were to happen.
0: And you know, they're being diligent, they're asking people if they've traveled mm-hmm. recently in the past month, have they been on an airplane, things like that. So,
3: yeah, but I think. The, the topic is just, you know, frightening students a little bit. Um, recently, the Associated Press released a story on Tuesday saying that the CDC acknowledged that they kind of failed to do what they should have done to prevent the spread in the first place. Um, and the, the second person, the nurse in Dallas who contracted the virus, they, the article also said that a total of 76 people at that hospital she works at may have come in contact with it Um and the fatality rate has risen from 50% to 70% now. So I know a lot of people are scared. Um, we recently did a talk it out in the opinion section of the University Star. Showed both sides. One person said we shouldn't be riding in the streets. But the other person said maybe we should, you know, should be, be aware. A little more. <laughs> Yeah, be a little bit more aware.
0: And, you know, it's not just contained to Texas now. Because mm-hmm. Amber Vinson, the second nurse who contracted the disease, she was traveling on an airplane mm-hmm. before they knew she had it. So... That's a little frightening
1: i mean it's kind of frightening as well just knowing or i guess not knowing what the cure is either and there are i guess multiple strains correct of yeah the-
2: i mean i believe dr garanco had said that there's different strains um with with ebola so it's not just like i guess just one and also i mean that that is pretty scary that there isn't a cure i mean i had this conversation with like a friend earlier today it kind of like interests me how like that first person that they had brought over with Ebola and they had like treated him at Emory mm-hmm. and they kinda like released him afterwards. It kinda just surprised me how there isn't a cure. Yet yeah, yeah. I guess it's just or at, least, yeah. released, at least a like, vaccine. Yeah. To, I mean that just that's it's interesting to me with that conversation. And but. it's hard
0: to believe too, just because you think we're so far along and then something like this happens and you're like, Well, now I'm kind of afraid. So Yeah. And then how's Austin gonna handle Ebola if it trickles down, Ray?
2: Yeah, I mean, this morning I attended a press conference that um, the mayor of Austin held today. And he was, um, uh, health officials in the county of Travis where they're also kind of just explaining um, what their procedures will be like. So they are taking it very ser- seriously, but the mayor just wanted to reassure people that they are like kind of at a low risk of getting it but that they are taking like all they're taking everything very seriously. And one thing they did talk about which was kind of interesting I guess was that they want to do some sort of like buddy system almost with the healthcare workers, kind of just checking each other out and making sure like no one's like no that no one has any symptoms. And one other thing that was really interesting was I believe at one of the hospitals there or I'm not they talked about having 82 negative pressure areas which would be like isolation rooms um, so i wonder what that compare what that number is here in hayes county if any so that's something that i found like really interesting from today's discussion
0: and then seeing how different cities handle ebola is something that i'm going to be watching just because you know this is an unprecedented event and we don't know how to handle it so a buddy mm-hmm. system sounds so interesting yeah, to me. yeah. And i think
3: the buddy system will help because, as Dr. Kuranko said in our article, Ebola has an incubation period of 21 days, 2 to 21 days. So, you know, just because you come in contact with the virus doesn't mean that you'll necessarily, like, contract symptoms right away. So the buddy system will help monitor as those days go on. But, again, I
0: don't think there needs to be, like, a need for widespread panic no. or anything like that. No, no I just,
1: just awareness. I, I think we need to be just careful and cautious in how we approach it if – something does happen. You know, there are steps in place, and I think we just need to make sure that we're following them.
2: Yeah, and then one thing they really emphasized at the meeting today, at the press conference, was just that they're really looking at everything. They're having conversation with everybody. They're having conversation with the, with the CDC, and just... Monitoring and just learning from, I guess Dallas. I mean, that's the place right now where the the eyes are like going to, and like kind of just seeing any flaws in the procedures or anything like that. So they're they're really observing and monitoring like all the situations and just trying to like learn from it since it is new to the states.
0: Mm -hmm. And then another headline this week had Texas State students contemplating recreational drug use along with their health. Jessica Hunter, who was a junior here, was hospitalized October 5th after taking Molly, which is an ecstasy drug, during the first weekend of Austin City Limits Music Festival and she died the following Wednesday. She was from North Richland Hills, a suburb of Fort Worth, and was chapter sweetheart for Tau Kappa Epsilon, which is a fraternity at the University of Texas. And she was also a member of the Bobcat Ice Babes, which is an organization at Texas State that supports and markets the Texas State's club hockey team. So Nicole, I know you were at ACL. What is the drug culture there like?
3: Yeah, I attended the first weekend of ACL, and um, you know, the drug culture there. I guess it's it's kind of prevalent. Like you can you can see people smoking marijuana um, openly, almost, and you see a lot of you know cigarettes and tobacco and a lot of alcohol. But one thing I I didn't really see outright was um, any pills or any you know anyone offering other people Molly or ecstasy. Um, No one, at least came up to me and like offered me that i didn't see people doing that um but ray i know you attended acl as well
2: yeah i mean like the first like as soon as i went through the gates and i got through the first thing i smelled honestly was i smelled marijuana yeah you know and i mean i've always heard like drug culture is kind of prevalent in festivals sometimes Mm -hmm. and i mean that kind of Mm -hmm. kind of almost surprised me but what surprised me even more was like i didn't really see a lot of police officers like in the actual area i mean i know we Said that I I did see like volunteers and stuff, but actual police officers in the in the festival itself, I didn't really see any. But
3: yeah, I noticed that as well. There were police officers kind of at the gates when we checked in. You know, our bags were getting searched, but then once you kind of entered the gates, there was just like you said, volunteers and maybe bodyguards or bouncers for the concerts themselves, um, just you know, control crowd control. But no no police officers coming up. Even when, like you said, you know the smell of marijuana was pretty heavy in the air, um, you know none of that was being monitored necessarily. So I think this incident kind of just makes us all aware of, um, especially
0: since we're also students. Yeah, we're you know, we're also I'm a students. Junior, she was a junior.
3: Yeah, and it's just I think maybe students are too trusting. Um, maybe they need to be more aware of what they take from cautious. from strangers, what they buy, and what they what they ingest. Be more cautious.
2: I mean, and it really just hit home. I didn't hear about this until a little bit later, actually. And we were having a conversation about it in the newsroom. And then one of the people on the sports staff, like, walked in and her, we were talking about it. And he said that he, he knew her. And he kind of just, like, talked about his, like, you know, his experiences, like, with her, like, being her friend and stuff like that. So that, I mean, really hit home. and kind of, like, hit, like, you know what I mean? Just, like... It made it more stuff. real. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: I think it really hit um, the club hockey team and the Bobcat Ice Babes really hard as well. I know that they released balloons kind of in remembrance of her before Tuesday night's game. And so I think it des- definitely has left a resounding impact like on the Texas State University com- mm-hmm. community. Um, in other headlines this week... Um, I was sitting in Joyce Cohen the Hayes County Election Administrator's office when actually she got a call that the Texas voter ID law was standing and we had had a conversation about it a little a few minutes before that about how she was having to train her election workers to like for the voter ID law and also like if it didn't go through you know what was going to happen then like things would stay the same but she was really glad that it did pass and Pretty early, I guess, in advance for elections. Even though we're getting really close, she said, "You know, now we can train them in one way. Now we can tell everybody, you know, this is the correct way that you handle it. This is the forms of ID that you do need." And so that was really interesting. One thing she did say for Texas State University students is that we can no longer vote with a student ID. And so I it's didn't going even a big change. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. I guess you could do that. Yeah,
3: I wasn't aware either.
1: But now you can't. So I guess it's something that we definitely need to get the word out to students about. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: so since we can't vote with our student IDs, are military IDs allowed or just state IDs?
1: Yes. Um, it kind of seems like any Texas or U.S. issued ID that has a photo of you and information, okay. um, driver's licenses passports, military IDs, those count. I know it does have to have a photo, however. Um, If you get to voting and you don't have an ID, you can vote provisionally, and then you have a certain amount of days to go to the Hayes County Elections Office and present an ID and tell them, like, this is truly who I am. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that she did say is that those provisional votes aren't counted on election night. Well, they're counted, but they're counted as provisional votes. And so those results could come in a little bit later so that she's never seen it happen. But if there was a really close race, provisional votes could kind of sway the race, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting to me.
3: Yeah, that'd be an interesting situation to see if maybe one person was declared the winner and then those provisional votes came in and it kind of changed. I
1: could see it kind of happening more at, I guess, the city level
3: Mm -hmm. versus like the state or the federal level. I mean,
1: we have a lot of city, we have a lot of county races, and I'm not sure how close a lot of them are, but some of them seem like they might be a little bit close.
3: Yeah, definitely on the city level.
1: So,
0: And then, not only is it election season, but it's also high school football season, and the San Marcos High School Stadium opened this past Wednesday, and it's their first, it's their stadium, it's their, they're going to have their first Friday Night Lights on Friday, and I'm really excited for them.
2: Yeah, um, <clears throat> one of our reporters went out yesterday for the, like, the official, went out on Wednesday for the official ribbon-cutting ceremony at the San Marcos High School Um, football stadium and um, the person that went out kind of just described the environment just like really lively just excite exciting and the San Marcos high school football coach um, coach Soto was out there along with football players other people from the administration and staff and and some other students as well so um, talking to Nestor um, the reporter who went out there I mean he just he enjoyed it and it was good to see after the speeches were done or, and whatnot um, there were, people were allowed to like explore the stadium and just um, see what the facility looked like
0: and you know I'm really excited for them like they're gonna finally be able to play on Friday nights they won't be playing at Bobcat Stadium anymore I know that my high school stadium was a big like integral part integral part of my high school career and it's just I don't know it's a fun atmosphere so that'll be good for them moving forward
3: I think it will as well. Yeah, so coming up um, for quotes this week, uh, we picked a few of our favorites. And um, one quote we picked from the University Stars um, article this week on the styrofoam ban. So the styrofoam ban has been um, a thing that the heat, the human environmental an animal team has been trying to, to push at the university, trying to stop styrofoam b- from being used at the dining halls, and that is finally happening as the dining halls are finally using up their last bit of styrofoam and transitioning. And um, Colin Illiff of Heat said, We are starting to see more and more in the news about climate change, and student involvement on a campus, college campus is very important. It's just important to get the awareness out, and the more people educate themselves, the more projects we can get done to help the environment and the community. I think that just shows that, you know, us as college students, we think we might not be able to change a lot, but even a c- college organization can create this initiative and help the environment one step at a time.
0: And that's just like one small thing that we did that's going to make a huge impact. For sure. For sure.
1: And our quote of the week at KTSW came from a city council candidate, Jane Houston for place four. She's up against incumbent Wayne Bishak, and she is actually a Texas State University employee um in an interview with her she said she was talking about businesses in san marcus and she said small business is really the backbone of our nation and she's talked about how you need small businesses and that's generally what makes a town unique
2: mm-hmm. and
1: i really liked that i think it's very true for san Marcos. i mean we have so many shops downtown they've gotten a lot of support through the construction and i think they are definitely what makes san marcus unique
0: and then coming up next week, as usual, we have some pretty exciting headlines for you guys. Next week is Mass Comm Week, Woo. and I know that holds a special place in all of our hearts because we're all in the Mass Comm School. So there should be pre- some pretty interesting speakers coming. Yeah, Who looking, are you guys excited to see?
3: I'm looking forward
1: to seeing Evan Smith from the Texas Tribune.
2: I'm looking forward to seeing Polo wild from CNN.
1: So it, Polo definitely has, I guess, being from the Valley yeah. kind of... <laughs> Holds a special place. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, we're, we're a
2: little biased, but a little
1: bit. But <laughs> it'll be a there's fun definitely week. A, a lot of professionals coming in that I'm really excited to see and learn from and grow from hearing them and some of our own people will be on panels speaking right
0: shout out to myself Shout out to Kelsey. <laughs> i'm gonna be speaking on a cu- crisis coverage panel because i covered fort hood last spring and debbie hyatt the editor-in-chief of the austin american statesman is going to be there mm-hmm. as well as jackie stone who works in their social media so i'm pretty excited yeah about i mean that. that's something
2: to look forward to oh, definitely yeah. and um a story that i guess we're gonna be covering next week is um there was a TV show, uh, American Crimes, from ABC that was filming here in San Marcus, and one of our reporters um, got in contact with, I guess, one of the pubs that they were filming right in front of, <clears throat> and they talked about um, how the city or the county receives like tax incentives from these film companies, so we're going to just dive a little bit more into that and see like what exactly all that's about.
3: Yeah, and another story that I'm actually working on this week, um, we'll be looking at how Texas State is set to become the fourth largest university in Texas. Um, Once the official numbers are released at the October 23rd uh, Coordinating Board meeting, we'll we'll know for sure. So it's another headline to keep your eyes on.
0: And then Jones Dining Hall, for those of you who do not know, is going to be shut down in December and remodeled, gutted completely. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be getting a Dunkin' Donuts. So I'm pretty excited about that. It'll be open after
3: I graduate, but I might have to come back just for Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) Yep, and um, one more thing to look forward to in um, October is our mayoral debates and um, city council debates. So October 27th, the University Star and KTSW will be co-hosting a mayoral and city council debate at the LBJ Museum in the Square from 7 to 9, and the University Star will also be hosting a campus political organization debate on October 29th at the UAC building um, from at eight o'clock so we look forward to those and hearing those good debates
0: all right well as always thanks for joining us this week on inside the newsroom be sure to look for us every Friday on iTunes SoundCloud and the university stars website leave any questions or comments on the stars website or tweet at us using the hashtag newsroom T-X-S-T. and don't forget to pick up the university star and listen to KTSW every week